Welcome to Epic. If you're new, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And no, I'm not crazy. I am sometimes, but like now I think I am, especially after the first service. I'm like, really? I got to do that again? So uh, here I am on a treadmill, and you're probably wondering, what in the world is he doing on a treadmill? Well, this morning, I'm hoping to use this as an object lesson in our message. And prayerfully, the lesson does not involve me falling off of this thing and needing medical attention. Uh, But if you're like a doctor, nurse, or whatever, please pay attention. And if I fall off, I would sure appreciate you coming up on stage. So good to have everybody here today. Anybody enjoying the weather outside? Yeah. Wish we could just go outside instead of being in here, especially doing this. But if you weren't with us last week, we started a new series on grace. And uh, we're looking at God's amazing gift to humanity. And it truly is an amazing gift that God makes available to all of us. And we said last week that grace is God's unearned favor. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. We can't be good enough to get it. Because none of us are going to be good enough but we can receive it through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we watched last week as grace stooped down to rescue us. We saw that in the book of John chapter eight, as this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. She was brought before Jesus and she had these accusers and they wanted to stone her to death. And Jesus stooped down to rescue her. And he said to her and he said to us, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. We saw in Romans chapter eight, verse one, God says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you're a Christ follower, there is no condemnation for you. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It's part of God's amazing gift of grace. And we're going to look at something uh, new today that grace does for us. But if you missed last week's message, I strongly encourage you to go to our website or our iTunes account and listen to that message there. There are some messages and some series that we need to hear over and over again. And this message just may be one of those. So even though we love grace, even though we know we need it, We love to hear about it. We love to sing about it. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace at the end of the service. And I'm sure everybody's going to sing with passion and purpose because we love that song. Even though we love it, we struggle with it. We struggle to understand it. We struggle to receive it. We struggle to share it with others. There are so many levels where we struggle with this amazing gift of grace. And so we're going to look today at another way that we struggle with grace. But before we do that, is anybody tired? (laughs) Anybody tired yet? Anybody tired for me? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, So um, many times uh, lately in my life, I think, you know, I'm just tired. I'm I'm tired. You know, I go to bed tired. I wake up tired. And I think about all that, that I'm involved in and all that we are involved in. And I think we're involved in so many things. I think life is so fast and it keeps us moving on a regular basis. And it's hard to keep up with all that there is to do. And I think about what I have to do at work and uh, beyond all my friends who like to tease me that I'm a pastor and I like work one day a week. That's not true. I work two days. No, I work more than that. Okay. So 
So at work, there's, I never get to a spot at work where I feel like I've crossed the finish line. There's always something to do. There's always message, messages to prepare. There are always meetings to have. There's always counseling appointments. There's always hospital visits. There's always staff to lead and to guide. There's always volunteers to lead and to guide. There's always a problem to solve. And I know it's shocking to think that we have problems at church, but you know, hey, we're people, right? So church is full of people. So yeah, there's problems that we, we get to solve. So there's always something to do at work and it just keeps me busy all the time. And then I think about home. I go home and there's stuff at home to do all, all over the place. I've got a honey-do list that's super long. There's all kinds of things that I'm way behind on at our house. And, and then when a car breaks down, I need to work on the car. And then there's, there's just stuff in the house I got to work on outside the house. And then there's the relational aspect at home. So there's my family, my, my wife and I, we have four kids and keeping up with my four kids is tough. They've got busy schedules and they're all going in different directions and dragging us with them. And so investing in those moments most important relationships, investing in my relationship with my wife and investing in my relationship with my kids. That's, that's difficult sometimes. And there are many times I feel like I'm juggling uh, 10 balls and I can really only juggle three. And so the you know, balls are dropping all over the place and I'm hustling around trying to keep balls going and I'm not doing a really good job at it. Anybody else feel that way in life? Glad I'm not alone. So then there are these fun little things like hurricanes that come along. And, you know, as if we didn't have enough going on already, and they bring all kinds of other things into our lives. And so I still have things at my house that I haven't finished that are hurricane-related. Anybody else got a couple of hurricane-related items? Uh, great. So we have a lot of things that we have to do on a constant basis. Then I think about my relationship with God. And there's conversations that I need to have with him on a regular basis. There's a prayer. There's a reading the Bible. There's applying the Bible. And, you know, there are moments I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm struggling. There are many moments in my life that I feel like I'm running on a treadmill that leads nowhere but to exhaustion. And I think a lot of us feel that way. So, your prayers are especially appreciated right now, okay? So this treadmill represents how many of us feel about a relationship with God. So we think a relationship with God is based upon religious activity. It's based upon running a treadmill and earning a relationship with him. It's about going to church and maybe getting those little stars next to our name for attendance. It's about giving of our time, talents, and resources. It's about reading the Bible. And oh yeah, you gotta apply the Bible. You can't just read it. You've gotta apply it to your life. And it's about helping little old ladies across the street. I mean, whatever we think will earn us a relationship with God, that's what, how we view running on a treadmill in this religious activity. And we think, like, I'm so tired. Sometimes it feels like following God is exhausting. Now, if I'm gonna finish, I gotta get off of this thing. Thank you for the prayers. Okay, I just went from sea to land, so I'm a little bit wobbly here. All right, so hold on one second. I need to sit down. Okay, let me read you something. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight. 
It says, God saved you by his grace when you ran on a religious treadmill of activities. Okay, it didn't say that. What does it say? God saved you by his grace when? You believed. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So this is part of what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Relationship with God is based upon what God has done for us, not what we are doing for him. We can't earn it. We can only receive it. So guess what this chair represents? It represents grace. And guess what it means? It means we can rest. We can rest. We don't have to run on that to earn anything from God. We don't have to run on that to earn God's approval, to earn an eternal relationship with him. We can rest in God's amazing grace. So, My first question for us is, are you running or are you resting? Are you running in an attempt to earn something or are you resting in what God has done for you? Process that as we're going through the message today. And then listen to how the Apostle Paul talks about this over in Romans chapter three. So in Romans chapter three, Paul says this in verse 19. He says, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. Now let me explain the law. So the law represented everything in the Old Testament part of the Bible that helped people to earn that relationship with God or stay in a right relationship. It involved the 10 commandments. It actually involved 613 commandments, 613 laws that the people in the Old Testament would follow and people in the New Testament tried to follow it as well. And there are still people today trying to follow 613 laws in order to stay in a right relationship with God. Can you imagine trying to keep up with 613 different things to earn a relationship with God? So that's what Paul's talking about here. So he says, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. Now listen to this next part. This is, can be a life-transforming moment if we'll let it sink in. It says this, the law has a purpose. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So what's the purpose of the law? To prove that we can't live up to the law. It's the purpose of it. The entire purpose of the law that God uh, wrote down for us, that God set up in the Old Testament part of the Bible was to prove we can't do it. It's not possible. Now, can you imagine like working for a boss who came up with rules and regulations at your job, expectations for you, your job performance was based upon you doing all these things and your boss came up with rules and regulations knowing you would never be able to accomplish it? Some of you may say, I work for that boss right now. Well, God is not doing this in a manipulative kind of way. God set this up to prove something to us and then to do something for us. So let's look at uh, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So no one can ever be made right with God through religious activity, 
through this behavior, through running on a treadmill, it's not possible. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now look at verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We're made right with God through placing our faith. So it's through belief, not behavior, that we earn, that we don't, it's not about earning, that we get a relationship with God. It's about belief, not behavior. Paul's gonna say that over and over again in this passage. And many times in Romans, Paul says, it's about belief, it's not about behavior. Now listen to, to who grace is is available to. This next verse, it continues, verse 22. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for how many people? Everyone. everyone. For everyone who what? Believe. Believes, no matter who we are. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if, if you know all the rules and regulations of following God. It doesn't matter if you've spent all of your life in church or if this is the very first day you've come to church. None of that matters. God makes his grace available to everyone, everyone. And we receive it through belief in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. It applies to everyone. Verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, I think that we get that. Like, anybody here perfect? Anybody here like, hey, you're perfect. You know, if, if you feel that way, let me know, because there's a psychologist friend I'd like you to talk to after the service to help you deal with some of your delusional thinking. All right, so we know, like, we're not perfect. We, we get that. Now, we compare ourselves to other people, and we think, like, hey, at least I'm better than that person. At least I'm better than they are. So we do this comparison thing. Um, but it's not about perfection, because we all fall short of it. None of us can get there. None of us can, can earn God's standards or fulfill God's standards. It's not possible. So God says, yeah, yeah, you've all fallen short. And then yet, verse 24 continues. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Now, Romans 6.23 tells us what the penalty of sin is. Anybody know what that is? Death. You maybe have read that before. The penalty for sin is death. Small sin, big sin, doesn't matter. All sin separates us from God and deserves death. Now, here's where many of us go, well, wait a minute. Like, I didn't do anything bad enough to deserve death. Like, like why would God come up with that standard? And we give God a really hard time with coming up with this sacrificial system of death, of somebody dying to pay for sins. But God came up with that knowing he was the only one who would have to follow it. The only one who could follow it. And so, again, back into verse 24. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they, what's that word again? Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Again, Paul goes right back into saying, it's not about behavior, it's about belief. It's not about religious activity, 
It's about the faith that we have in putting our faith and trust in Jesus. That's what it's about. Listen to what he says in verse 27 and how similar that sounds to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. Here he goes again saying the same thing. So we are made right with God through faith, not obeying the law. Now here's why I think Paul keeps going around and around in circles, saying the same thing over and over again. I think he says that is because we would make it about us if it was about behavior. I mean, think about this. If it was about behavior, why would Jesus die on a cross for us? He wouldn't have needed to. If it was about behavior, Jesus would have come to planet earth. He would have watched us doing our religious activities and he would have said, keep going, try harder, run faster, run farther. You can do it. Just keep doing it. And then one day you'll get to that spot. It may be, you know, uh, level number 10 on the treadmill. That's what you're searching for. Once you get to level number 10, you'll, you'll be there. You'll be able to earn that. But we would make it about us, about what we have done. And Paul says, it's never about us. It's about God and what God has done. It's always about God and what God has done for us. Again, that's what makes Christianity so amazing. It's not about us. It's about our creator who loved us enough to die so we can live. Now, here's what some people do with grace. Some people wrestle with this concept of behavior versus belief, of running versus resting, and they think it's about that versus this. Other people go to the other extreme and say, okay, so if grace means I can rest, I'm gonna rest and I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna do anything to serve God. I'm not gonna do anything to honor God. I'm not gonna do anything to please God. In fact, you know what? I'm gonna swim in an ocean of God's grace and I'm gonna do anything I want because doesn't God's grace mean I can do that? And when I sin, does it mean God's grace comes into my life in a bigger way? Paul had that discussion with some Romans in Romans chapter six, where people were saying, listen, when I sin and just do whatever I want, that just highlights God's grace. Isn't that a good thing? Paul goes like, you're getting it backwards, folks. That's not what it's about. It's not about taking advantage of God's grace and resting to the point that we do nothing for God. That's not what it's about. So Paul addresses this in verse 31. He says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does that mean that we can forget about the law? So we can't live up to the standards of the law, so we throw the law out? Is that what we're supposed to do? No, Paul says, of course not. In fact, only when we have faith, get this, do we truly fulfill the law? So Paul goes right back into that conversation about the law. And here's kind of the bottom line. Our faith in God and our understanding of grace is what helps us to live in response to grace. So our lives should be lived in response to grace, not an effort to earn grace. And so Jesus then picks up this tension between the law and between grace, and he talks about it in Matthew chapter 22. So listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 22. 
He's actually talking with some religious leaders, and those religious leaders want to catch Jesus in uh, saying something that they can use against him. So they're like uh, prodding him and poking at him and trying to trap him into something that they can use to get him killed. And so one religious leader asks him, he says this, teacher, in verse 36, teacher, which is the most uh, important commandment of the law of Moses? So right back into the law conversation. And Jesus replied in verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Two most important things that we can do in our lives. Jesus summarized it. Love God and love people. Those two things should be a hallmark of our lives as Christ followers. Those two things should be evident in everything we do. It should be evident at home, at work, at school, wherever we go. People should be able to look at us and see that we love God and we love people through our actions and our attitudes. And that should drive us. Every day we should wake up asking the question, God, are my attitudes and my actions today gonna show you that I love you? And are they gonna show people that I love them? Can you imagine how different our world would be if we just lived up to those two laws? Forget the 613. Can you imagine if we just focused on those two laws that Jesus said the two most important things, love God and love people. Can you imagine the conflict around our world that would be solved instantly if those people involved said, like, is this gonna help me to love God and love people? Imagine what would happen in our own country the political conflict that we have right now. Imagine how that would be stopped if we just said, you know what, I'm gonna love God, I'm gonna love people. Imagine how the racial tension in our world would be stopped if we all said, I'm just gonna love God, I'm gonna love people. Imagine how our relationships at home, at work, at school would be different if we said, I'm just gonna love God and I'm gonna love people. That's the primary thing I'm focusing on. So we fulfill God's law through this thing of grace. As we understand God's grace more, we fulfill God's law by living in response to grace. And we do that by loving God and loving people. So I got to ask, how are you doing at those two things? How are you doing at demonstrating love for God? And I'm not talking about earning anything from him. I'm not talking about running on a religious treadmill to earn God's approval. I'm talking about demonstrating love for God because of his grace. That we understand grace and we see grace and we experience grace and we apply more grace to our lives and we say, God, I just wanna show my love for you because of that and because I don't have to run on that thing anymore. How are you doing it? How are you doing it demonstrating love for people? Do you genuinely love people? And does your actions show that? Does your attitude show that? At home, at work, at school? Do you demonstrate grace through your love for people? It's a real challenging thing. Jesus summarized it. Most important things you can do, love God and love people. Now, God makes his grace available to everyone. But we said earlier in the message, we have to receive it. 
So just because God makes his grace available, it doesn't mean everyone has it. We actually have to receive that grace. And uh, I'm going to wrap up today by showing you how you can receive that grace if maybe you haven't received it today. So on your seat should be a little card. I encourage you to grab. It says uh, on it, life insurance options, little kind of brown or gold and white kind of card. So if you pick that up, um, and we're going to walk through this card for just a moment. About 20 years ago, I had a part-time job as a life insurance agent. And I would meet with people and I would uh, try to sell them life insurance. And often I would meet with a, a family or an individual and I would show them a couple of plans. You know, here's option A and I would explain that, the options in that. And then I would say, here's option B and I would explain the options in that. And then I would give them you know, the choice, which option do you think is, is best for you and your family? And now that I've been a pastor for over 16 years, you can tell that life insurance like really wasn't my thing. So um, like I, I didn't do real well at that. But now I am an eternal life insurance agent, okay? So I have a couple of eternal life insurance options that I would like to show you. And I would like for you to choose which one works best for you and your family. So you see, we have two options. We have the performance plan. We have the grace plan. I'm going to go through the performance plan first. The per performance plan says you work really hard at trying to earn your way into heaven. And you must keep all the requirements of the law. If you break one rule, you've broken all the rules. So, you know, the 613 laws, if you break one of them, it's as if you've broken all of them. Okay, so you've got to do your best to keep all of them. You must run every moment of your life on the treadmill of God's perfect standard and hope that one day you'll be good enough to earn a spot in heaven. So you run real hard on this treadmill, religious activity, and you just hope maybe one day God will put my good deeds on a scale and it'll outweigh my bad deeds. And based upon that, God will say, great job, welcome home. Now, every plan has fine print. So here's the fine print of the performance plan. This plan doesn't lead anywhere but to exhaustion. Romans 3.20. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So that's the performance plan. And you can pick that for yourself. There are millions of people that pick that plan on a regular basis. And you can if, if you want to put your hope and trust in that. So then there's the grace plan. The grace plan is based on what Jesus has done for you not what you are doing for him. It involves believing that Jesus died for our sins so that we can live forever with him. It's about saying like, I get it. It's about you, not me. What you've done, not what I have done. And the third thing is you must put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and follow him the rest of your life. Here's the fine print on the grace plan. You commit to do your best to love God and love people. And when you fail, you'll receive more of God's grace and you keep learning how to love God and love people. So it's never about getting back on this treadmill and saying, oh, I failed in that. So now I'm not good enough. Now I got to earn my way back in. It's not about that. It's about learning how to understand God's grace, apply God's grace, love God, love people. And when we mess up, we get up the next day and say, okay, God, new day. I'm going to receive new grace for today. 
And I'm going to learn today how to love God and how to love people. So that's the grace plan. On the back side of your card has three options for you to pick. And I would really like you to pick an option today. You should have a pen there with you as well. And I'd really like you to uh, just go through these three and pick which plan works best for you. So option number one, today I'm choosing the performance plan and I hope to earn my way to heaven. Like I said, there are millions of people that put their hope in that and they run on a religious treadmill. They run on good behavior, hoping that one day God will let them into heaven. Second option that you have is I'm choosing the grace plan. For the first time in my life, I'm trusting what Jesus did for me, not what I'm doing for him. And this is this thing that scripture talks about that's called salvation. It's a decision that we make. It's a decision that we say, I believe Jesus died and shed his blood so I can live. I'm making that decision to be his follower today. Now, if you've done that before in your life, there's no need to do that again. When we do that, when we get caught up in, I gotta get saved all the time, we make it about a work. We make it about us and not about what God has done. Again, it's never about us. It's always about God and what he has done. So, so maybe you're at that spot and you say, you know what, I've never done that before. And you would like to put your faith and trust in Jesus and sign up for the grace plan. If that's you, just check that box. And then there's a third option at the bottom. It says, I'm choosing the grace plan again. And I'm coming back to God's grace after being distracted by my performance. That's not about getting saved again. That's this thing that, that happens for all of us where we drift. Like we understand grace, we receive it, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves running on the treadmill again. And we're working, we're working hard. And, we, and then when we fail, we feel like a failure. Like, oh, like I'm never gonna be good enough. So we run a little faster, we run a little harder. And God says, again, it's not about what you can do. It's about grace. So maybe today you're coming back to grace and going like, I've been distracted by my performance. I need to learn to rest in God's grace. So which one of those options speaks to you? I encourage you to just take a moment and check that box. And let me just say something about um, option number two there. Option number two is not necessarily going to get you into heaven if you check a box. Okay? So... I don't want you to expect, you know, you, you cross from this life into eternity. You stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say, I checked a box. That's not what it's about. It's about the belief that we have made a decision. It's about putting our faith and trust in Jesus, understanding he died. And so just checking a box sometimes helps us to do something to demonstrate the decision that we've made. And so just understand that. That's what it's about. It's it, what happens in our heart, what happens in our minds, not what happens with our pen by itself. Now, if you've chosen option two or option three, what I want you to do is after the service is over, I want you to fold your card and take it to one of our giving boxes and I want you to slide it in the giving box. And what's gonna happen to these cards is they're gonna get to our elders, they're gonna get to our prayer team and we are gonna be praying for you in your new relationship with God or as you come back to that relationship that's most important. So we'll be praying for you. And if you want, you can write your name down so we can pray for you by name. You can write a prayer request on the card as well and we'll pray for that 
request. You don't have to write anything on the card. You don't have to write your name. You don't have to write a prayer request. You can leave it anonymous, but uh, we would love to pray for you. And if you do drop your card off in one of our giving boxes, I encourage you to pick up another card. There should be cards at each one of the boxes. Pick up another card and take it with you. Put it somewhere where you can see it on a regular basis. Maybe put it in your Bible. Maybe put it in your car. Maybe put it uh, in your bathroom at home. Maybe put it at work. And here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to let this remind you it's about grace always. Because before too long, we get wrapped up in running on religious treadmills. And we're not resting in God's grace. So when you start thinking it's about you and your behavior and how you do and how good you're doing or how bad you're doing, I want you to let this card remind you it's about resting. It's not about running. So God's grace means you can rest. I hope you're excited about that. I hope that this week you'll rest in a whole new way. I hope this week that you'll maybe stop running on on a treadmill of religious activity. And I hope this week that you'll begin to, to see that we need to live our lives in response to God's grace. And it's not about earning anything. It's about receiving what God has given us. And you'll, you'll let your primary focus be in living in response to God's grace, loving God, and loving people. So God's grace means you can rest. Hopefully you'll rest today and this week. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing Amazing Grace. So let's pray together. God, I'm so incredibly grateful for grace. Uh, Lord, it's that thing that we are in desperate need of. And that thing, God, that so many of us just don't understand. Even when we've received grace, we struggle with it. We, We struggle to apply it to our lives. We struggle to apply it to other people's lives. We struggle to share it with other people. There's so many ways, Lord. There's this big tension in our lives where we see grace and we love grace, yet we struggle with grace. And so, Lord, I pray that today you'd help us to understand that grace means we can rest. We can rest in your amazing grace. And we now have the freedom to live our lives in response to your grace. That we're not living our lives as a way to earn anything. And Lord, I really hope today that some of us will get off the religious treadmill, stop running to earn anything from you, that we would understand what we have been given, this unearned favor that you make available to us. I pray that we would live in that and live in response to that and we would focus our lives on loving you because of that and loving other people. And God, there may be people here today that are receiving that for the first time. Lord, I pray for those people. Lord, I I pray that as they take that first step in your new grace, that they would understand it means they have freedom, freedom to rest, freedom to live, freedom to live in response to the grace they've been given. And God, we're always tempted to set our grace down and to start running again, and to make it about us. So God, I pray that today that message would be loud and clear, that it's always about you. It's always about what you have done, and it's never about what we have done. So Lord, I pray that you would burn that deeply into our minds, 
and teach us how to live in response to your grace. Teach us how to love you. Teach us how to love people. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.